So we're talking today about destroying discouragement. How many of those laughter is a good way to start? Amen? Get your notes out, and we're going to get started. Discouragement, what is it? We're, we're in this series now. We're bringing it to an end called Mind Games, the battle of our mind, realizing that thought attacks and the battle of the mind is where Satan so often comes to attack us. As a man thinks, so is he. And so we talk to you about the battle of our mind. Then we share with you the battle for your mind. And then last week, we talked about think on these things, dwell on these things, going from the negative to the positive that we've all established thinking patterns. And today, I want to talk to you about destroying discouragement, destroying discouragement. Discouragement is a loss of confidence. It's a loss of enthusiasm, a loss of expectation. It is a place where there is a dispiriting atmosphere and attitude that comes in, a place of hopelessness. Anybody been there besides me? Yeah. Amen. We're that battle of discouragement. So let's go to our scripture and Psalms. Get your notes out. If you did not get notes coming in, if you'll lift a hand up, our ushers will make sure that that gets to you right away. All right, let's go to our scripture. And let's roll. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord. What does that mean? I've called on him, but he's not answered yet. Right. I, I've made a play. I, I've begged. I've asked. I've, I've brought a petition to heaven, but heaven hasn't moved on my behalf yet. I've, I'm waiting patiently on God to come and move on my behalf. And finally, anybody been there? Yeah. Finally, he inclined to me and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. And the word pit there means a low place, a place of lowliness, a place of no worth, of no value. I've, I've struggled. I've waited so long. I feel like nothing's changing. Nothing's happening in my life. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And that's like a quicksand that, that snags us and just sucks us into the crisis. It, it pulls us down. It holds us down. Anybody identify so he has brought me out of the horrible pit. He's brought me out of the miry clay. And now he has set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Here it is. He's put a new song. Put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and now will put their trust in him. What does that mean? They're watching you. People are watching us. They're watching us in our struggle. They're watching us in our conflict. People on your jobs and your family and your neighborhood are watching you when crisis hits your family. They're watching you when you lost your job. They're watching you when you got that doctor's report. They're watching you when you received that negative news you didn't want to get. They're watching you. They've watched you when you've cried out to God and yet no answer has come. They're watching you when you've prayed and told them God's going to see you through, but he hadn't seen you through yet. They're watching you. They're watching you when you're in that pit of loneliness and you feel like God's abandoned you, but yet you hold on faithful. They're watching you when you're in that miry clit, wrestling with that addiction, wrestling with that problem, wrestling with that hurt and pain, feeling like you're in quicksand and not releasing, but they're watching you. But they also get to watch when all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he snatches you out of that pit. He takes you out of that miry clay that's been holding you in bondage. He sets your feet on a rock. He establishes your going and he puts a new song in your heart. 
a song of praise unto the Lord. They're watching us, and when they see that praise come out of our conflict, and they see us move out of discouragement into a place of praise and adoration to God, many will see it, and they will fear, and they will come to Him. Come on, can we give Him praise for that right there? Amen. And so Jesus is trying to speak to us, and I want to talk to you today because how how do we deal with this thing called discouragement? And get your notes out. First of all, there must be established a lifestyle of praise and gratitude, a lifestyle of praise and gratitude. The word praise means to give glory to, to exalt him. And the word gratitude means being thankful and appreciative, an attitude of the soul. And I love this part. It means fulfillment without always wanting more. That I'm thankful for what I have right now. I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored right now. If God never did another thing for me, I'm blessed and highly favored. These bones will praise him from the grave because he's already been too good to me. A spirit of praise that I exalt him as the God that he is and an attitude of gratitude that I'm thankful for God's blessings in our life. As we look around us in society today, we see inside and outside the church that many are sinking into a destructive spiritual, emotional, and mental pit of discouragement and despair. Don't you see and experience that cloud out there today of hopelessness and despair and discouragement that is gripping the heart of so many people. And one of the main causes of this is this thing called secular media. You watch the news long enough, I don't care which one it is, you'll, you'll, yep, yeah, you will. I mean, why try? Why even bother? Why even make an effort when everything's so negative and attacking and divisive and, and destructive, very little positive, very little encouraging You can feed 10,000 people tomorrow and you're not on the news, but go slap somebody. They got you. Everything's negative, just seeking out something negative. In society, that news, it'll tell you that America is $17 trillion in debt, but I want to tell you something. When you come to know Jesus and he picks you up out of that pit and he pulls you up out of that clay, you're no longer just a part of a society. You become a member of a kingdom. And you serve and you represent a king. And, and America might be $17 trillion in debt, but heaven's doing fine. The, the kingdom's doing good this morning that you and I are members of. And, and society will tell you that there's a war going out there about health care. But I want to tell you, in the kingdom, we got an amazing plan that's already in force and it's already been paid in full. For he was wounded for my transgressions, a bruise for my iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was placed upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And it's covered. Neither you live in the mindset of society or you live in a mindset of a kingdom. And as a man thinks, so is he. The economy is at an all-time low, but heaven's economy is at an all-time high. If you look in, and, and you see in the society today, it's a survivorship mode, a mentality of survivorship. But if you're part of the kingdom, I'm a conqueror, then more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It's a kingdom mindset. In society, it promotes dependency. But in the kingdom, it promotes abundance, favor, and blessing of God that I am a son and a daughter of the Most High. I belong to a kingdom, and the king's my heavenly father. And it's about a mindset that we've got to embrace today 
that we don't follow the mentality. That's why our scripture, the last three Sundays said to not what? Don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, making fresh again of your mind, that that you reason and think with. We've got to come and start thinking like kingdom people, not society people. Are you with me? We need to start declaring every day that scripture and mean it when we wake up. This is the day that God has made. He's brought me out of the pit. He's pulled me out of the clay. He's established my feet. He's got my feet on the rock. He's made this day. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it, in him. Come on, can we give him praise one more time? Amen. So... How do I deal with discouragement? How do I overcome? How do I destroy, defeat discouragement? Number one, get your notes out. You've got to realize that discouragement is an attack, not a sin. How many is thankful being discouraged isn't a sin? Ooh, we'd have an altar call every minute of every day, all right? Discouragement is an attack, but it's not a sin. We see great people in the Bible that dealt with discouragement. Job, look at Job. I mean... Job, the Bible says he cursed the day he was born, that, that he wished he, Job was suicidal at one point in his life, by the way. Job knew discouragement. Look at Gideon, the great leader of God's army. They watched the Amites, Moabites, all destroy themselves as he had 300 soldiers in his army. But Gideon found himself discouraged one day, and he put it like this, if God is for us, then why has all of this befallen us? This great man of valor, this great man of warfare. I don't see him always on the mountaintop, but I find him in a valley of discouragement one day. And he cries the cry that many of us have prayed. If you love me, God, then why is all this happening in my world? Discouraged. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. He walked with Jesus personally. Matter of fact, he was the forerunner of Jesus, prepared the way for him. And John the Baptist saw Jesus do amazing miracles, and now John's thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. They're getting ready to kill him. And John, after all these days and weeks in a jail cell alone and isolated from God, all of a sudden discouragement began to come into his spirit. And John got so discouraged that he's the forerunner of Jesus, right? He's the one that said, I'm not worthy to even loose his shoes. I'm not worthy. He's the son of God. I'm the preparer of the way for him. John now sends word to Jesus. He's so discouraged. He goes, are you really the Christ or do we need to look for another? Now we're all going, really? But How many times have we done that in other words? Well, you hadn't answered like I prayed, so maybe I need to look for another. You haven't shown up like I thought you would. So are you really the Christ and the word that you promised me or do I need to look somewhere else? Can we plead guilty? And and discouragement comes against us all. You see many in this room right now, you're facing some very serious crisis. My family is in a very serious crisis, as you know, with our two-year-old grandson that's got a severe brain injury and and, and we're in a crisis. There's crisis going on all through this room, health crisis, family crisis, marriage crisis, financial crisis, career crisis, ministry crisis. They come in all forms and fashions, but here's what you've got to understand about discouragement, that Satan knows if he can just get us in a mindset of discouragement, a place of despondency, a place of hopelessness, a place of no expectation, 
He will then move us into the four patterns of warfare of our mind that I preached to you about two weeks ago where Satan does not come and just try to nail you. He puts you on a pattern of destruction and Satan knows if he can get me discouraged, he's preparing me for that first phase of the battle of my mind and that's what a doubtful mind. That if he can get me in a pit of no expectation, no hope, I'm going to begin to operate in a doubtful mind that I doubt God's love for me. And if I move there, then I go to the next level we share with you. And that's a blinded mind because when I'm living in a doubtful mind, I become blinded to the truths that God has promised me. And when we move into a blinded mind, we go to a closed mind. And a closed mind just shuts yourself off to anything God wants to say to you. You don't want to hear it. And when you go to that point, you move into the fourth and final stage, and that's the depraved mind, a reprobate mind that now has no opportunity to hear from God and has no boundaries on where it can go. And so why does Satan want you discouraged today? Because he knows I'm not going to go out and cheat on my wife. He knows I'm not going to go stick a needle in my arm. I have no temptation to do that. I don't care how bad today gets. All right? I'm not going to go out and do that crazy stuff. So he's not tempting me with that, but if he can get me discouraged, if he can get me in a pit of no expectation, no hope, it can't get better than this. It can only get worse. If he can get you there, he's now got you prepared for that journey to where he's going to own your mind. And so we've got to see discouragement for what it is, and it's an attack. When you fail to do and live up to your own standards, what happens? Discouragement. The enemy brings discouragement against you. When your marriage is failing and your children are out there doing what you and they both know is wrong, discouragement comes in to devour you, doesn't it? To paralyze you that I'm a failure. When you lose your job or your finances run short, discouragement tries to attack you like a cancer and eat up your soul that I'm going to lose everything. When your health or the health of those that you love fails and doctors give you a report you did not want to hear, discouragement comes in to seize your mind, to control your thoughts, to take away your hope and your faith in the healer. When you try to live right but seem to constantly go back to an old destructive pattern of behavior, discouragement comes racing in to conquer your mind. And David gives us such a beautiful example of this in Psalms 42. Where David, the psalmist, the one after God's own heart, he's going through a horrible crisis and his wife and children have been taken captive by the enemy to be plundered and and abused and, and his own people are turned against David now and David's standing by a Mediterranean sea and he's empty inside. Discouragement has come against David in a horrible fashion and we hear David cry out, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted? And that word there, it it comes to mean a lack of peace or tranquility. There's no calmness in my soul. It's like a raging battle and war in my mind. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? But then David, he realizes the attack for what it is. And David pulls himself back and says something very powerful. He says, why are you disquieted within me? But I will hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. You and I have to come and realize and identify discouragement for what it is. 
You see, we must learn to turn our coffins of death into coliseums of praise. Some of y'all need to get that right there. I said we have to turn our coffins of death into coliseums of praise. Some of you's got a closet at home that you think's there for you to hide away. The enemy put it there to put you in a pit of darkness to eventually become your coffin of death. You think it's a closet of safety, but in reality it's a coffin waiting for your moment of death. You got to pull yourself out of that isolation and come back into a place. Uh, yeah, my soul might be cast down. I may feel like God's abandoned and forsaken me. I may be praying and not seeing the answer come yet. I may be doing all the church stuff right not seeing my breakthrough yet discouragement comes to conquer my mind for if I think discouragement I will move into doubt but I've got to shake myself like David did and go no 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 but I will still yet praise him for he's the health of my countenance not going into that pit I'm not falling into the attack of the enemy because you see when that enemy comes and attacks your health and tells you you're going to die now, I'm part of a kingdom, and I serve a king. And, and though my health is failing, there's this God in the kingdom called Jehovah Rapha. He's my healer. And, and I don't have to go there because I have a healer that can turn around any doctor's report and change it and make it right. I, when your finances are attacked and, and the enemy comes against you, no, 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 there's Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. Oh, yet will my soul praise him. Yet will I come and bring adoration to him. God's got a miracle waiting for me. Some of you had to lose this job so he could put you in a better one because you'd have never left this one on your own. When we feel overwhelmed, the cares of life, he's Jehovah Nisi, my banner. He's got me covered. Come on, God's got your back this morning. I said, God's got your back. Yeah, I've had some folks tell me, don't worry, preacher, I got your back. I say, yeah, you so far back, I can't find you. That's, that's my concern right there. No, God's got your back. Come on, how many's glad when others betray you and others walk away from you? There's a banner of heaven that's covering you this morning. When fear and anxiety tries to grip our heart and our mind, he's Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Peace of God that passes all of my understanding. The Bible put it like this, the peace of God will soon crush Satan under our feet. And we've got to come and realize it. It's declared in Isaiah 43. Read it with me. It's in your notes. But now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Come on, anybody thankful for that? I have called you by name. He knows your name this morning. God in heaven knows your name. You are Mine, he said, you're part of a kingdom. When you pass through those waters, I'll be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame even scorch you. Listen, for why? I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Come on, that's the promise of heaven. And so, what is discouragement? What, what is discouragement? Number one, let's go quick. Number one is dissatisfaction with the past. Discouragement is dissatisfaction with your past. Ingratitude for yesterday's blessings. Today's discouragement is often the result of continuing to live in the negative memories of the past 
rather than recognizing God's grace and favor that was upon you when you didn't even realize it. Because when some of you were out there in a drunken stupor and you thought God didn't want you, you're the very reason, he's the reason you're here right now. He didn't AWOL on you, you AWOL on him, but he was faithful to you. And, and many of us, we, we don't want to talk about the past, but your past is what got you here. Don't go relive it, but we've got to come and realize dissatisfaction with the past opens a door for this thing called discouragement because I see my past only as a negative, haunting memory when I've got to start looking back and realizing God was with me the whole time when I didn't realize it. God had a plan in the making when I didn't see it. When I thought I was a drug addict and I was one and you were one or whatever and I was out there doing all that crazy stuff, I didn't think God was a part of my life at all. If he wasn't a part, you wouldn't be here right now. Amen. Number two is the distaste of the present, which is an indifference toward today's opportunities, the distaste in the present. God's blessing is there. It just might not be what you had in mind. Ooh, I had a Hammond B3 up here. I'd have hummed on that one. Isn't it true? Because it didn't come the way we were looking for it. God, God's not doing anything. Then how do you think you got what you got? How do you think you got where you are? No, I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm sure not where he started bringing me from. And, and I'm blessed the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. And, and come to a realization that, that when you start cursing today, you're cursing yourself today. And you got to start being thankful for what God's given. You may not have the job you want today, but you need to thank God for the one you've got instead of criticizing it. Because don't ask God to give you something better when you're complaining over what he's already given you. And if you're not stewarding what you have, he's not going to give you any more. That's some good preaching right there. An ingratitude, a distaste of the present. And yes, there's still crisis. And yes, there's still conflict. And yes, there's still pain in today's society. And in our life, we still go through stuff. But I've got to learn to have gratitude and praise where I am right now if I'm expecting him to move me into a new territory of favor and blessing in my life. Number three, is the distrust in the future. What causes this thing discouragement, Dis dissatisfaction with the past, distaste of the present, and a distrust in the future, which is an unbelief in God's word and his sovereignty. God's a sovereign God. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised He's still faithful. Have you noticed this? Discouraged people are always victims of their society. Discouraged people are always victims of their environment. But happy and free people are victorious in any environment. Thank you. I got a good amen on the front row. Discouraged people are always victims of their environment. My sadness and depression is always somebody else's fault. But free and happy people, they thrive in any environment because my happiness is not based on what you do to me because you have no say. Matter of fact, you can't take my happiness away if you want to. 
because I choose to rejoice and be glad in this day. Watch this, six million Jews, six million Jews God brought out of 430 years of, of slavery in Egypt. We'd shared the whole story months ago. So there's six million Jews in Egypt. They're slaves. They've got slave masters over them. They're building all this pottery, and they're working them to death. 430 years of slavery, and God brings them out in a day. He brings them out. And not only did he bring them out, he brings them out in high fashion. God's a wild God. When he does it, wow. Yeah, he didn't just bring them out. He parted a whole ocean, a Red Sea. March six million people through on dry ground. We're in revival now. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, forget that's you think the black church had church for a long time? We walking through an ocean, man. We're having church tonight. You know what I'm talking? You would think these Israelites would be like, we're having some church now. He brings them through the Red Sea. Then they're at Mar and the water's bitter. And so he throws the tree in, it makes it sweet, and they're drinking sweet water. And then he has them in Elam, an oasis in the middle of the desert with 12 palms and springs of water to, to nourish them. In the middle of the desert, there's an oasis. And then they have thirst, so he brings water out of a rock to satisfy their thirst. And now they're hungry. And so he brings manna from heaven daily to feed them. Their clothes grow with their body. And, and here's what they had to say at the end. And they were much discouraged because of the way. Much discouraged because of the way. God just showed up on every stop of their journey in the midst of their crisis, and we're discouraged because of the way. And we say, wow, but how guilty are we? That we're sitting around now talking about everything that we're still struggling with, and we've ignored every miracle that he's done. Come on, I'm preaching to the right church. I'm just preaching to the right church. And we find ourselves discouraged over something that we ought to be celebrating in. Because though my crisis that I'm in right now is still very real, he's done so much for me. He's brought me through some red seas. He's given me oasis in the middle of my struggle. He's brought manna down from heaven to take care of my family when we didn't know where it was coming from. He's clothed us when we didn't know where our next set of clothes were going to come from. Come on, am I preaching to the right? He's been so faithful, and yet we're sitting over here discouraged along the way. The doctor told you you got a headache. Now you're dying. Discouragement. We've got to come and grab it and call it for what it is. So what causes discouragement? Let's just keep going through the notes. Y'all with me? Yes. Just helping you? All right? Discouragement. Don't worry. We're going to get you happy in the end. So stay with me. All right? And you'll be out by three. Just hang. <laughs> okay? The causes of discouragement. What, what happens? Number one, the first cause of discouragement is a big one called exaggeration. Oh, yeah. We're, we're master exaggerators. You know, just like I just said, you just went to the doctor and the doctor said, you got a headache. You done got on Google. You got 10 diseases that are terminal. I'm dying, I'm dying. You done got it on social media. You done got to go help me fun because I'm dying. You got a headache. Lost my job, losing my home, losing my car, losing everything. Got a pink slip today. I done lost it all. You just lost your job today. You ain't lost nothing. 
but you're confessing it, so it will probably happen. How about I lost this one because he's got something better for me and I'm gonna go find it and what was meant for evil, God's gonna make good out of it. There's a miracle in my making right now. God's gonna come through. Jehovah Jireh is gonna show up. I'm part of a kingdom. I serve a king and the king takes care of the people in his kingdom. I'm not going in discouragement. I'm moving up to a mountaintop of faith. Psalm 73, read it with me. Gotta hurry here. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Listen, talk about exaggeration. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. No struggles in the world. Just Christians, only ones have struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They never get sick. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Talk about exaggeration. You see, one of the greatest causes of exaggeration or of discouragement is exaggeration. Your battle's real, your crisis real, your struggle's real, but if life gives you a mountain, climb it. Because the longer you stand there and look at it, the larger it's going to get. If life throws you a hurdle, jump it. Because the longer you stand there and look at it, the higher it's going to get and seem impossible to jump. And I can't let discouragement come in or it will grip and paralyze my mind and destroy my faith. Number two is exhaustion. Exhaustion. Man, exhaustion causes discouragement like crazy. Tired. Exhaustion. Look in Psalm 6 with me. I am worn out from my groanings. All night long I flooded my bed with weeping and drenched my couch with my tears. I'm worn out, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. Elijah, he prayed fire down from heaven, killed 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. He then outran a chariot pulled by horses for 40 straight miles. I mean, this dude's a triathlon expert. You, got, you understand what I'm saying? He ran, outran a chariot pulled by horses for 40 miles. He outran, this guy's in shape. But then hours later, we find him in a cave and he's crying out to God, take my life. For I'm the only Christian left on this earth. Because in his exhaustion, he just saw an amazing miracle take place. Fire come down from heaven. Saw God do a miraculous event. And hours later, he's in a place of discouragement, crying out to God, take my life because I'm the only Christian left. Why? He was exhausted. And when you're exhausted, you exaggerate everything. And when you exaggerate it, you make life way worse than what it really is. Because I'm going to just say this. and my, I know crisis. My family knows crisis. But my worst day with God is better than the world's best day without Him. My darkest day with God is better than a man's brightest day not knowing Him. Weeping may endure for your night, but joy will come in your morning. Stay fast. Hold true to God's promises. And we need to come and understand today that in the midst of our struggle, 
you got to grab this, and some of you need to get this, and, and this is a dialogue in our family right now because we're in a, a very deep struggle with our little grandson and, and Ashley and Brad's son, and we, we sit and we talk this in our dialogue that you got to keep living life. You can't stop living in the midst of the crisis. you still got to laugh. you got to go have some fun. You can't shut down. You can't quit because if you just mourn, you're going to dig a pit and die in it. you got to go have some fun. Laugh. It's okay. People are watching you. They're watching us. They're seeing how we respond to a crisis. It's okay to cry, but you got to laugh some too. It's okay to intercede and pray, but you got to stand up sometime and just go have some fun. Keep living life. Don't give in. You got to come because the day you quit living is the day exhaustion overcomes you. Then number three is guilt. Guilt. Guilt causes a deep, deep place of depression and discouragement. First Chronicles 21. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by doing this. Now I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. Anybody besides me been there? Like, God, if you just love me one more time, just one more chance, God, just one. How many one more chances have we all had? Like, we're on 293 right now, all right? Okay. But here's what's happened. Many have learned to function in their dysfunction of a lifestyle of guilt. And rather than walk in the freedom that God gives us, they live their whole life on guilt. David said it, forgive me, help me, Lord, heal me. Take away the guilt that I have inside of me. And listen, don't keep killing yourself with something Jesus has already freed you from. Don't let guilt put you in a place of discouragement. And then I close with this. How do we destroy discouragement? Romans 8, 1 and 2. There's therefore now no condemnation. Come on, how many? Come on. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You see, if you feel as though you're always under the circumstances, get out from under them. Can I just say this to some of you? You need to make your bed. You need to get out of that bed of guilt and exhaustion and exaggeration, that bed of despondency and discouragement that has become a coffin to you. You need to get out of that bed and make your bed. That's the rule of my wife's house. When you get up, make it. If you ever guessed at my house, Make your bed when you get up. Rule of the house, all right? Make the bed. You want to know why you make it? Because you don't plan on getting back in it that day. Some of you need to make your bed and tell the enemy, I'm not getting back in it today. I'm not going back into that mindset. I'm not going back into that attitude. Jesus is healing me. He's setting me free. I'm not living this life of discouragement anymore. I'm going to enjoy the blessing and the favor of God upon my life. I'm walking in His blessing and His favor. You know what you got to do? Learn to rejoice by choice. And do it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. You receive the word this morning. You receive it. Bow your heads with me, please.
And Father, I just pray over this body right now. I pray over this group of people, Lord, thanking you for them and their lives. And I thank you for the honor, Lord, to pastor such amazing people and this family. And I just pray over every person here right now that, God, they're going through a struggle. They're going through a crisis. They're going through an obstacle, Lord. They're, they're facing a storm of life. And we're not making light of that today. We just know the enemy wants to use that crisis, storm, and obstacle to get us into a pit of discouragement. We're not going to let him today. We're going to recognize that we are people of a kingdom and we serve a king. And you've got us covered today. And we're going to watch you move on our behalf so that others may see and know that you are God. And they're going to worship you. So I just pray over this body right now a spirit of joy, a spirit of praise, a spirit of gratitude that God will not look at what's not there, but we'll start speaking forth and call things as though they are, even though they're not yet. That God, we're going to declare your promises over our life, and we're going to watch you move on our behalf. And we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, if you're here right now, and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today. Someone brought me or came on my own, and, and I'm not right with God. I know that. I'm not a bad person. I'm just not in the place that I need to be with God. And today, I want to make a decision. I want my life to be committed completely to Him. And I want you to pray for me. If that's you right now, would you just slip a hand up wherever you sit? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not coming to you. God bless you. I want to pray for you. Anyone else would join these four or five people? God bless you. I need Jesus in my life today, Pastor. Pray for me. I've been losing this battle of life. I'm ready to win. I'm ready for a new beginning. In Jesus' name. Anyone else before we pray? If you raise your hand or you did not, maybe you're on live stream and you need Jesus in your heart today. Pray this prayer with me and we're going to pray it with you as a body. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You join me, and let's congratulate these that are praying.